Well, this is not the Week 7 game I think anybody was expecting. Tyson Bagent is slated to start for the Chicago Bears for the first time in his young life as they take on Brian Hoyer's Las Vegas Raiders. But plenty more happened this week when it comes to Justin Fields' injury, other things we saw in the media that Nick and I need to talk about. So let's dive into it all on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz, the editor-in-chief of Da Bears Blog, here with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And Nick, how you doing? What a what a kooky week this has been, huh? Um, I mean, right now, we're just in the worst-case scenario of Bears football. I mean, like, everything that could go wrong is wrong. And Justin Fields, I mean... And we don't even know. No, we don't. Like it's like it's like this mystery right now of Justin Fields, which there's so many theories I think that we should talk about with that. But it's it's just sadness, man. Oh, it's it's rough for crying out loud. And not to mention, I mean, OK, so let's talk. Let me talk something positive because I really mean what I'm about to say, but it is going to sound so tinfoil hat that I just want you to buckle your seatbelt and strap in. <laughs> right. Okay. The. You talked about how this is the worst case scenario for the Bears. I disagree. This is the other best case scenario, but it is so dark. It is so dark a best case scenario that to talk about it is to break a social taboo practically, right? Oh, I, I know where you're going. Like yeah. if the Bears were going to be bad, they needed to be awful with yeah. the Panthers simultaneously being awful. Awful. The Panthers just gave away play calling. I've never seen that before, by the way. I've never seen a coach seed play calling six weeks into his brand new tenure. But you've got a team over there that seems to be implying that they didn't draft the quarterback that they wanted. Right. And you've got a team that can't seem to score points. They're going to stick with Bryce Young. They may trade their best player that the Bears did not trade for, that they wrote articles about try or like how big chested it was of them that they kept Brian Burns. And yep. at the same time, Justin Fields, yeah, we don't know. But if we'd gotten good news, I think we would have heard it by now. They've already yeah. had the MRI. And apparently their response to the MRI was to have a three quarterback tryout. Might have been four quarterbacks. Sign Trace McSorley to the practice squad and get another quarterback in the building. Sure, it's one thing to say, well, that's standard practice. It could be standard practice, Nick. But to me, it says they think Fields is done for at least two weeks. And all that says is we aren't getting the best case scenario for Fields' thumb. And I mean, Fields' hands... I love him. His his hands are not that big. If he right. loses 20% of his grip, he may not be able to hold the football at all. Just oh, because I, to, to me, I think he's gonna be gloves. Like he yeah. has to be gloves. Probably he'll, he'll be is. like Teddy Bridgewater. You you know, you know, funny. So I know I know where you're going, and you can probably continue. No, but no. I have to put in with this part. So there's there's two things. One is just my coaching background. When I heard that Frank Wright was giving up play calling, I was I'm like Oh, like owner has already stepped in. Like Frank Wright could be like one and done. Like it could be bad. Like the expectations, because I mean, it's a rookie quarterback. You gutted the team a little bit. You got in. I mean, Thielen's doing great, but he's old. Like expectations should be low. It seems like the owner had expectations that were too high. Yes. And then he's like, hey, this isn't working. You got to, you have to do something. 
six weeks in, which is like bizarre. So that's one. The other one is, and this is just a small side note, which I'm sure nobody cares except for me, but I've been doing draft prospect analysis for a, a, a long time. And when I saw that the Bears signed Trace McSorley, I was like, he was a guy I wouldn't even have drafted. His Put it quarterback on a dime. tape, his quarterback tape was bad. Like I liked, I don't know if you remember, um, like I liked Brett Rippon out of Boise mm-hmm. State way mm-hmm. more. I liked um, is it Tyrese Jackson, the uh from Buffalo? Oh man, he that was, is a name from a long he, time ago. He converted to he converted to tight end for the Eagles. If you remember, he's like six six, like mm-hmm. two forty. Mm-hmm. He was athletic. I was like, man, he's a way better prospect. And then McSorley, I was like, okay, the Ravens got him because he's like this athletic guy that's kind of like Lamar. He's like the he's like the discount Taysom Hill. Blue light Walmart special, right? Lamar Jackson. And then the Bears sign him. I'm like, oh. now maybe he's evolved. Okay, that's my positive. But anyways, I heard that. I was just like, I just don't like Trace McSorley. But anyways, I know where you're going with our, you know, our attire type thing. So. Oh, yeah. I wore all black for a reason. And that's because know. at least the vibes that I get from this season is that you and I, as a podcast, we are now in a transition stage. Not because, you know, we're, I don't know, scared of anything or something like that. It's more like the stated goal of the season, whatever it was, it feels six games into it, only just over a quarter of the games through, right, Nick? That maybe a third, I guess. Yeah. Th- that whatever we were going to achieve, we didn't achieve it. Mm-hmm. We It's already out of the question. It's over. Which is wild. Like, I feel crazy saying that. I felt crazy doomcasting onto the microphone about how the Bears might start 0-5. And while they didn't start 0-5, came as close as you can, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. And so going into this weekend, we've got some really cool matchups to talk about. Like mm-hmm. we've got a really intriguing test across the Bears roster. We have a bunch of player development that's going to be happening live and in person. We get to see a young core continue to take a step forward. But as far as whether we're cheering for wins and losses, it is really hard for me. I've never actually been able to do it to cheer against the Bears, but you could argue a loss may help the Bears more long-term than instantly kickstarting a super big quarterback controversy with Tyson right. Bajit, though I got to admit to you, it would be kind of fun in a sickening <laughs> way, right? <laughs> I mean, it's... Okay, our... I mean, arguably our best player, Justin Fields, is hurt for a little while. And I want to talk about the injury here in a second, but he's hurt. And we have, I mean, the, the other part of this is like, how much worse could the Nate Davis signing go? Okay. Nate gets signed. I'm excited. It'll help out the O-line. You know, super sad news about his mom. That was going on for a while. The PR bears didn't let us know, which just nope. let us know, right? He'll get more positive vibes but we didn't get that right comes back for one game when he clearly wasn't like ready doesn't go well you know i was sad i think it was his mom right that passed away it right? seems which is, that way i didn't which, dig too deep into it because i kind of yeah but to leave it. I, I, it was a family member for one know okay yep. family member right super sad right comes back starts playing solid and then gets a high ankle spray like that right. that right there is just the of like the bear season like it's and it's, for those who don't know High ankle sprain is right up yeah. there with AC joint uh, issue for quarterbacks, right? I'm sure you could think of some others, man. Like hammy for wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, like, four weeks, right? You, four weeks? I mean, minimum. I mean, Ish. the ankle bears the majority of the weight, 
based on the way that the offensive lineman plays. And obviously, you know, you're going to have relatively hard time with that no matter what position you play. But it's more to say that in the world of common injuries that are not good, this is definitely, what would you call it, like a yellow light, right? Like, oh, yeah. this yeah. is... Well, this, this could affect him the rest of the year. I mean, yeah. And, and, of, and hey, hey, bright side, bright side, <laughs> more development opportunity for Jatiri Carter in a season that's yeah. lost anyways. I mean, man, I am going to do this for the rest of the year where every time we talk about, well, we wanted a season that was fun and good. You and I, like, you dragged me into admitting that the Bears, if they could beat the Packers, could easily go 9-8. and eight. I mean, yeah. if yeah. they had the talent to beat that mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers team, the schedule was laid out for them. It still is. Like, the Denver Broncos are as bad as we thought they were. The Vikings were worse and very beatable. The Commanders, they beat flat out. And they were this close, even now, to beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is yep. th- There's a parallel universe out there where Justin Fields, all he's got to be is pretty good. And the Bears could be 5-1 and one at yep. this point. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not even really playing with you. Nick. No, 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 no. It, it's real. But, but what you said, I think, is what I I'm think I'm always cheering for. Like, like the, the pipe dream that Chicago was a playoff team was like, okay, like, like a lot of things have to go perfect for that to happen. But what we should be cheering for, and now is I think the only thing to cheer for, is player development. Let's see the coaches develop the players to make them improve and make strides to build on for next year. Like that's where we have to be at. Like I know there's some people like, you know, we should always cheer for them to win. I get it. And, and we, we can should. talk about the draft pick thing, but they're not making the playoffs. So like they're, they're, they're not. So that's the other thing about this, right? When it comes to the win loss balance, take a seat back in your armchair, relax a little bit and mutter a key phrase to yourself. If they couldn't win when they were trying, why would they start now? And maybe it's a run of bad form, but I'll tell you what, it still felt to me, Nick. Okay. So putting aside the fact that I still don't know how a referee overturned TJ Edwards, uh, oh like gosh. pulling the ball in. On film, it was worse, wasn't it? It you There's a frame where it's incredibly ambiguous whether he has position or possession or is trapping the ball, but it still feels to me pretty weak sauce to take what was ruled a fumble and right. not at least let it stand. If, if you'd called it out of bounds the first time, I'm not asking any questions and I totally get it, but mm-hmm. maybe I'm just chapped, right? All the same. It feels like over the last couple of weeks, if I'm honest with you, Nick, the bears, Worst case scenario, the bounces are even. Best case scenario, they bounce in the Bears' favor in a lot of cases. Like, it, it sucks that both teams gave up a pick like they did, but we had a missed field goal from uh, like from Minnesota. Minnesota had that key Hawkinson drop on a Kirk dime. One of the yeah. best throws I've seen in a Bears game this season. Like, it, it was such a funny game because it felt like the Vikings would not get out of their own way. Like no, Justin they did, Jefferson, they did not play well. Justin Jefferson, but it was so funny, right? Because on one hand they didn't play well. On the other hand, they looked like they just didn't know what they wanted to do on third down anymore, right? And they they seemed like they approached the game where we're going to run the football in lieu of not having Justin Jefferson, forgetting that if okay, so 
I'm just going to shoot from the hip here, and I want you to tell me what you think about this. If I was going to scale this Bears defense, they really aren't that bad a run defense. They haven't no. been this entire no. season. You could so argue, Surprisingly, that was our biggest concern. We're like, you, what is this run defense? You could argue they are outside of or just on the inside of the top 10 in the world of run defense. Yeah, and yeah. that's largely because of 97, even though 97 didn't have a great game this week. But the teams that just line up and pass the ball on them, score mm-hmm. at the end of the half when Kirk Cousins needed to, they lined the ball up, they passed it, they walked down the field, they put the ball in the end zone. It's it's the script. Like, this is not a healthy pass defense for a multitude of reasons. The Vikings just wouldn't do it. And I'm I'm totally down to see defensive improvement. We got better plays from Jalen Johnson because he's not Terrell Smith. It's not even a dunk on Terrell Smith. It's more like he's better, so he took some downs back. Tyreek Stevenson is developing. He took some downs back. And he, he had that one PD, which was very nice late in the game when and, we needed it. And one's enough. To me, the funny part about DB, you tell me if if you disagree, Nick. Like to me, people look at DB and they they seem like they treat it like a uh, like a hockey goalie where they're like, I can't believe he allowed a pass. And I see it the other way. I'm like a replacement level DB. I'm looking at you, Kendall Vildor, will allow almost all of like (laughs) passes targeted against them to be completed. If you Mm -hmm. can take 35% of them away in this like little by little dink and dunk NFL that we've currently got going on right now, you're going to take what would have been second and four and you're going to make it second and 10. You're going to take what would have been third and 10 and you're going to get off the field. One Mm -hmm. is enough. It's like creating a turnover in its own way, right? And so even Tyreek getting, he had one, that was a um, a PD, and then he had another play where I thought he rode Addison down the line perfectly, and it just dared Kirk to make the perfect throw. Kirk did make the perfect throw, and Addison dropped it, which was stunning to me. That was a, that was a great it was a a dime, great man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you know, you know, actually, the the other play I remember that of the Vikings shooting themselves in the foot. You remember this one? They came. They had a run to the outside. It was like third and one. An outside run to the left where Hawkinson held Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. So now it's third and long versus they could have easily converted, probably even without the hold. I mean, just like continually stepping on their foot. I mean, we, we talked about this. The second, the second half, the Bears defense basically did what they needed to do to keep us in the game. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's where things get so funky, in my opinion, right? Because it's kind of like Tampa Bay, where the Bears held Tampa to 17 points, or I guess it was 20 points on a, uh, yeah, so they held the Tampa offense to 20 points where Tampa scored just a bazillion yards. They just couldn't convert any of them into points. This was the opposite of that. Felt like the Vikings couldn't generate yardage against the Bears defense, which is a first, but all the same, obviously the offense couldn't couldn't move the ball, which was backbreaking. Right. But right. you've got a quiz Ooh. for me. Is that what I heard? Appreciate well, well, do you, do you want to do you want to go with like who we were impressed with and disappointed, and then I got the quiz. That's the thing. I figure this is now that we're talking about the defense, we've got as good an opportunity as ever to sure. talk about who we were impressed with. Who impressed you? So from a position, most of the time positioned and tackling and pressure and effort, I thought Jaquan Brisker had a good game from that perspective because there's a lot of things that I had that I, in my mind of what I thought Jaquan Brisker for his second year was going to be this year. And I was disappointed. Now 
you also put him as disappointed. And I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in on this one. We'll get what that. I'm disappointed with this week and last week is I'm not sure Jaquan Brisker can man cover for his life. He looks like a liability out there where he freezes his feet and guys get behind him. I mean, and it's Antonio Gibson, it's TJ Hawkinson, it's not Jordan Addison. It's these guys that you are more athletic than. You should stop. So that point, I was disappointed. But for the rest of his game, I was like, hey, this guy brought it on Sunday. So in Texas, we have this amusement park. I'm sure you guys have something similar wherever you are. Uh, But ours is Six Flags over Texas. Oh, we got Six Flags here. Everybody's got a Six Flags, right? And so I don't know if you guys have a The Titan, the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. But we do, and it rules. And the common moniker to anybody that goes to Six Flags even once a year is ride the Titan last. Because the moment you ride the Titan, it ruins all the other roller coasters for you. Because those roller coasters aren't the Titan. And I made the mistake of learning safety watching Eddie Jackson, which was a real shame. Because watching Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos did not look that great. Turns out... Adrian Amos is a well above average safety. And I learned that firsthand watching guys like Elijah Hicks and stop me if you can tell where I'm going, Jaquan Brisker. Because to me, while a safety in the box is awesome, and certainly in 2005, 2010, you really could make plays. I mean, we had guys like Landon Collins that were still superstar box safeties that just weren't that great in coverage. Brisker's instincts have gotten up to like NFL average level. But man, if you can't cover... You are a walking liability. And right. Hawkinson in particular on, I think it was like a third, a second and 15, maybe been like a second and 10, ran a corner route on air and Brisker did absolutely nothing to disrupt it. And Hawkinson caught it like it wasn't a problem. Like you're saying last week, Antonio Gibson ran a route on air against Jaquan Brisker and Sam Howell layered it in there like it wasn't a problem. The biggest difference in my opinion between the 2023 NFL and the 2010 NFL is that with the advent of personal trainers and just how hard or how much better everybody is at the sport as they pass it down to their kids and frankly get started earlier. You know what I mean, Nick? Like mm-hmm. now a throw down the sidelines in rhythm. If it, if that receiver got a free release and is running at the speed you've practiced, that quarterback will almost never miss. Like you have to be able, I feel like to collision receivers, change routes, yeah. reroute guys, throw timing off, make them play backyard football, even mm-hmm. on a route that they were already planning, or they're going to beat you. And yep. on this, well, I mean, because, well, because you you were talking about like the evidence of like personal trainers, but like seven on seven camps and yes. all of the passing that's happening more, like, like things are just very different. Like it's much easier to pass now. I mean, I know everyone like, there's like the rules too, which I understand, but it's, they're just used to it more. Like with anything, with practice, we're going to get better at it. And like, if you wanted, and I'm going to bring up some bears that, you know, some people are listening and be like, oh yeah, like Tony Parrish and Mike Green, Jaquan Briscoe would be fine in those days. He'd be just fine in that, in that era of the NFL and oh, toughness yeah. and if all that kind of stuff. If he was playing with Mike Brown, for crying out loud. Yeah, Mike, Mike Brown's Mike Brown, like, yeah, those, those <laughs> are the kinds of guys. But what he's reminding me of, like right now I'm getting a little disappointed because every year for like, I don't know, a stretch. The Bears will get like a fourth round safety, like Todd Johnson, Cameron Worrell, like a bunch of these guys. I'm like, um, who is the other one? Uh, I think a major right. The, what? Major well, right. Ma- major right would be one. Who is the one that gave up the um, Conti? 
Yep, there it's it is. Chris Conte. Chris Conte. Yep. So, yeah. so like all of these guys, like, uh, just always disappointing. And right now, Brisker, he's creeping in that area for coverage right now for me. I'm very concerned that he's not the long term answer in terms of coverage as a safety. And here's what bums me out. And I'm going to make the argument that I, I still think to this day is pretty stupid, to be honest with you. But let me just pull from my emotions. So I'm not going to pull from my brain. I'm going to pull from my heart right here. What frustrates me is that if this was a fourth round pick, oh my gosh. I will forgive it. It's a top 50 pick. This yep. is a very different choice of George, what George this, Pickens. Like you can even not have George Pickens. You can pick Alec Pierce and get a, a receiver. That's fairly disappointing given what some people thought he was going to be, but it's yep. still like a 400, 500 yard X receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, the bears have a safety. Have you noticed when you're noticing brisker? Cause it's not an accident, Right. You don't notice Brisker when four is in the game. And that's because I believe Uh, Eddie Jackson is as good as he is. But the mm -hmm. moment it's Elijah Hicks, the moment Brisker needs to be the leader, I don't think he is. And And, and frankly, it's easier to... Yeah. And what does he do? Incompletions? He's got the... He's got the, the celebration. It's like, yeah, man, nobody like, loves a celebrator, right? <laughs> I, if you celebrate, I'm a, you better bring it though. Better be good. Like, I'm okay. Like if you're, you're going to, you're going to talk to talk, you better bring it. And he's not bringing it. Well, speaking of somebody who's bringing it, because I don't want to just dump on Brisker all day. TJ right. Edwards had an angry, angry blitz against Washington that only just barely didn't get home. And he brought an even angrier blitz on Kirk Cousins, shucked Alexander Madison. I mean, we're talking like big boys, the guy. Like, I'm not going to break out these kinds of words often, but you saw it. Like, that was man, boy. And that's yep. supposed to be a weight on weight square up, just about. Mm-hmm. Like, running yep. back, linebacker, this is what you practice. He threw him aside, creates the far and away biggest play of the game that Tremaine Edmonds catches in on. And through the rest of the, the like, throughout the rest of the game, he was flying around making tackles on the line of scrimmage like a hellion. 53 has looked awesome over the last I mean, two weeks. I mean, that's that's who we envisioned when we signed him. Now, imagine if he gets that f- that fumble recovery too, based on hustle. I mean, there's not a lot that he did, but that was hustle, you know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Another one not expected, Nate Davis goes down. And I, I saw, I saw it. And those are the, those are the injuries that I hate the most because you see them, they're, they're engaged. And then someone falls behind them. Like, oh, I'm like ACL, MCL, you know, it's high ankle, which is still bad, but I'm just like, oh, just rolled up on like nothing he did. He couldn't avoid right. it. You know, it's like, oh, I, that stinks. But Jatiri Carter, but it, it, there's a lot we can we can talk about the O line. There's a lot that went wrong in terms of the O line and how they still schematically well, can't actually, handle it. Twist. Can we talk about it? Like sure. Well, well, hold on. So Carter, I thought played the best admirably. of any of the O linemen. Mm-hmm. I mean, now yeah. this is this is why I want to talk about it, right? Because everybody's out here. We, we see the famous clip that has now been turned into a heavy article, a dead spin article. Every aggregator has tweeted it out with Cody Whitehair and Jatiri Carter linking arms in the middle of a play. Like, everybody's seen it. And honestly, that's the perfect play to springboard off of because when you actually... Look, I don't know ball. I mean, I like to think I do, right? But like, in the real world, I'm not a coach. It's taken me four and a half years to know anything at all. Nothing about that play is weird. 
Like the Vikings were doing so much dropout and so much man on man, and the Bears were having to make so many different protection calls throughout it's the game. It's a slide protection. Like it's a slide protection. Cody's guy drops out. Wright's guy drops out, and Nate Davis's or well, Tyree Carter's guy attacks Wright instead of Carter. Carter, being young, looks for work. Cody keeps his eyes downfield, watching for green dogging linebackers. Yep. Technically, Carter's the one who screws up because he should keep working outside, waiting for another linebacker to come. But ultimately, you're probably just going to stand there. Like, I mean, you could argue they could have got depth with it, too. So like so just quickly for people, totally. like these are probably the three biggest, I would say. Um, pass blocking schemes you have. And again, slide protection is a lot of times when you have blitzes coming or potential blitzes coming. So. Slide left, exactly what you think. Everyone slides left except for your tackle. Slide right. I mean, we're not going to get into play action, right? So same thing, right? And then you'd have Bob, right? Big on big. And so then from there, you would have your running back who would probably dual scan from like inside backer to inside backer, or outside backer to inside backer. Like that. that's what it would be like. So that way, and big on big, like just what you would think, right? So like, okay, our biggest guys are going to block their D lineman and not have the slide where you'd have a linebacker on the lineman. And then you'd have a running back, which we had on the interception. We had Darrington Evans blocking Daniel Hunter, right? So like, there's not like a win that's involved. So you'll get back to the, the Cody Whitehair one. I, I have two quick plays. So the first play of the game, we talked about this on the game recap. Yes, we did. First play of the game. Six D linemen or, or or six guys showing, right? Double mugged up in terms of a blitz, five linemen. And Fields looks right right away. So what he should do is line should slide left. Whether that's on Fields, he didn't make the call, or line didn't make the call, it's schemed up wrong, or he's supposed to look left right away. Somebody or all are wrong. And he, and he could have got know. it off right away, right? But he didn't. And we're not so, gonna know. Right. Yeah, we won't know. But then the interception, he's looking right, line slides left, like it should. Like it should. Evans Evans steps up into the gap to pick up, to take on a D lineman, which was not good, you know? It's Foreman it's if that over. makes you feel better. What? But it's not Evans, it's Foreman if that makes oh, you feel no, better. Oh, no, no, he was terrible. He was worse. <laughs> so the Foreman gets run over, Fields gets hit, it's interception. At least it slid the right way and he threw it, which is still didn't work out right. So... Right. All of those don't work out well, but then the Cody Whitehair one wasn't on Cody. He should have got some depth, but like that whole, was on Jenkins. The whole reason I'm bringing any of it up isn't to defend anybody in particular. There are plenty of offensive linemen that played poorly, but more so than most games, this game tested the Bears' ability to communicate on the offensive line. The entire Vikings game plan was all about signaling as many threats as humanly possible and either dropping some out or actually in a lot of cases, sending every threat on the table. Like kudos to Flores and that Vikings team. They were ready to send as many guys as they could. And the bears picked up. I feel like Nick, like the bears either picked up or half picked up a remarkable amount of blitzes. And it threw a lot at the quarterback where I would argue that, Look, I know I'm using a lofty comparison here, but a more pocket general style quarterback probably would have slid to safer areas of the pocket and checked the ball down to beat some of the blitzes. Sure. Not all of these plays would have been winners. It's not that simple, 
right? But the guys like Nick Foles, like I'm not going to use Tom Brady's name, but you get Kirk it. Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins, they would have handled it differently than ducking their eyes and trying to run the ball yep. as often as Fields did, for better or for worse. Fields had an explosive that he created and took a bunch of sacks. But so that's a separate conversation. It's yep. more to say that I know I saw a bunch of people say the Bears offensive line is awful. And any offense that's willing to send six all the time and we still average over two and a half seconds per throw, I think Fields clocked in at about 2.7 seconds on his average time to throw. And that doesn't include the sacks, which do not count as a throw, obviously. Right. right. We got to get the ball out. Like, and that's not me pointing a finger. That's me saying that, Nick, if you were coaching offensive line and your guys were getting blasted, after that last week, you'd have been like, my guys were all right. They they were mostly well, I, doing their job. I don't know that they were all right. I saw, well, okay, bad snaps from everyone. Okay. You are not about to get me defending these centers. These centers okay, like, sold the game. But like, I mean, that, ad, that adds, you know, half second on the, oh, oh, now I have to look. Like it was, you know, you, you can't, you can't look downfield when you, when the ball's at your feet or above your head or whatever. So. Who disappointed but, me? Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair yes. disappointed me. And then, just when I thought I couldn't be disappointed by Lucas Patrick, Lucas Patrick, you disappointed me too. <laughs> and it, like, not only could these guys not block, but they couldn't seem to place a snap for to save their lives. And uh, I mean, you you think you're making it up, right? No. <laughs> like, you think you're being overdramatic, and then you can count seven to 10 snaps well wide of the target on 33 passing attempts. Yeah. Even, even Bajan had some snaps. He was trying to figure out like, like there's, there's simple things too, where like a miscommunication and they like the, the one down by the goal line where Justin gets the snap looks right to turn the safety and Carter and Whitehair let a guy go through between them. Fields comes back to where it was supposed to a shallow cross this? on commit. He gets hit and it goes short. It's a touchdown. Like, like you couldn't even make it up. Yes. Which Fields, Bajan play was this, or was this the Fields play? Go ahead. What one? Which was this a Bajan play or a Fields play? Fields talking about. So was was that the one at the end zone? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, that's uh, to me. I'm tipping Flores a little bit because most of those blocks you're expecting to get a double team if it's a four man rush, but it's not. It's a bunch of six man rushes. And mm-hmm. I don't really know why the Bears called the protection that way. Cause if you're, if we're talking about the same play, that's the one where for some reason the Bears decide protection wise that they're going to have Darnell Wright shift an entire gap over. And normal humans don't do that. Even Darnell Wright can't do that. Like, are we thinking of the same one? Where well, the I, guy thought, just, I thought the guy came between Carter and Whitehair. Was I wrong? Um, we may be talking about different plays. And Maybe it was Carter and Wright. But it, there's a guy comes free. Which is not on fields on a. It's not the guy at the stuff. end because Wright has the Y on him. Like if memory yeah. serves, because he's got Kmet uh of, to his right hand side, and Kmet literally also has to step over a gap and take on Wright's guy. It's kind of a ridiculous slide call in that situation, especially since Wright's first step is to help Kmet because he's being right. a good boy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so then he's a step late to get to this gap, an NFL defensive lineman that gets nobody in front of him is going to step forward and get downhill. And the yep. play's over in my blink. Like, yeah. and it's, it's to me, at least the offensive, like the individual offensive lineman. If I'm looking at 
Darnell Wright, I thought he impressed me. He continues, even when he's playing poorly, to lose slowly. Like, when you're beating Darnell Wright, in many cases, you'll beat him immediately, but he's got like, I swear, man, those must be 35-inch arms. Like, I have to go back and look. They may be 34 inches, but you could see every inch when he reaches that right hand out and just pushes the guy a couple steps backwards so that he's got to regain his balance, like rebend the edge and get back to the quarterback. And suddenly you can stop watch a three second pass block. Yeah. It's not pretty. He's, he's doing well. I mean, for, for a rookie and he's had some matchups, he's going to have one. We'll talk about he's doing well. He's, I, he's really impressed me. I, I, I thought, I thought Tevin Jenkins looked like he was rusty. He like did. he, he struggled. And uh, one of the big issues right now is, you know, with Minnesota showing all, and by the way, I brought up my, my notes. Remember I got all these notes here, Robert, you know, this is my notes from last week or for our, our preview episode. Minnesota's blitz percentage was first in the NFL at 44.8. It's even higher now because they blitzed a bunch against Chicago. So we knew they were going to blitz their pressure percentage rank. So like they blitzed and how much they got pressure was 31st in the NFL. Like that, it just shows you how poorly the scheme, poorly the line, and poorly fields played. I, I'm not going to put it on Beijing being a rookie, but how poorly they played that they let that defense look like they were the San Francisco 49ers front coming after you. Like it was, it was bad. But Tevin Jenkins looked rusty. He struggles so much right now with twists and games over there. <laughs> Um, kind of tripped over his feet a few times. I mean, the uh, even the Tyson Bajant fumble return for a touchdown, right? Bajant immediate pressure. And one thing I like with him, if I don't know if, if you noticed this, Robert, but what he does is he has two hands on the ball when he goes to avoid and he turns his shoulders and so he protects the ball and makes himself small to the defender. So he did that, avoided the first guy, stepped up. And what happened on the left tackle, Larry Borm. Just tripped over his own feet and fell down. He trips over his stupid feet. And you and I could geek out because Tyson Bajan is not a superstar, all-world, all all-tool player. But there are so many things. I mean, there's a reason that a UDFA quarterback from Shepard made an impression on an NFL team and ultimately made the roster. It's because he does all the dadgum little things right. Yep. And I mean, he not only avoids the man, gets his eyes up, finds a wide-open Darnell Mooney. And it's too bad. It's too bad that Larry Borum had allowed the pressure that he did because you could have thrown a duck to Darnell Mooney. You're still completing easily a first down. Well, and then so you're like, much what a big play and confidence for Bajan, you know, mm-hmm. all that. And then, I mean, it's the worst. That, that was the worst offensive line rep of the season. And I can't help but wonder if after the field's interception, Matt Eberflus grilled him because they'd been running slide protection the entire day. And it seemed like they shifted from a four-man slide to like a three-man slide or mm. some other vehicle of pass yep. pro. And people got confused. Like, because that was roughly two drives later. And the Bears had allowed plenty of pressure up to that point. It, Like you're saying, I'm caught between where I look at Tevin Jenkins. He didn't impress me, but I probably wasn't disappointed if only because somebody like Cody Whitehair was just so bad. It bums me out that the Bears, like, or that Nate Davis got hurt. But then Borum and Wright were solid. So where did we get beat? Because we kept trying to outblock the problem and we didn't have blocking running backs in that could really get the job done. And Foreman was terrible. At the very least, you it's either a combination of Foreman was terrible and these blitzing backers are good at what they do. Like, I mean, 
you've seen it. I know I've seen it. Teams that blitz a lot are just better blitzers. Like well, yeah, these, these guys yeah. have the timing down. They're physical when they get to their blitzing mark. It's why a team that blitzes as rarely as the Bears do can at times struggle with their blitz rhythm because it's it's so obvious that they're going to send Kyler Gordon because yeah. Kyler Gordon's normally five yards in a different direction, right? Yeah. Who, by so, the way, I thought was okay, but that's yeah. not really a topic for discussion. Yeah, he's going to be better. Anyone else? I, I, have, I have one other small thing. <laughs> Anyone else you're impressed or disappointed with you want to chat about? I thought uh, because purely because he's been so bad, uh, I'm going to give a the teensiest of hat tips to Tremaine Edmonds, who has looked fast and in this last game had a couple plays where he's the only reason that the play action attack that the Minnesota Vikings were trying to run didn't have wide open stuff over the middle. He gets depth, man. He's he athletic. just ignores the run fake. He does not care. <laughs> he is not going to play the run. And no. I love it. Like as somebody who wants to cover, who would pr- almost prefer we have an extra safety out there sometimes instead of a middle linebacker. Yes, please. Like, ignore what, what, that if, what, thing. If, what if him and Brisker switch positions? What do you think? Man, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not. Well, gonna how go, about your other guy? You're your positive. I'm going to let you take that one. Right. Uh, well, I wrote Justin Jones LMAO uh, on this sheet because <laughs> I don't know what monster basketball Justin Jones used to sap the talent of what Andrew Billings had been doing, but suddenly Justin Jones was beating double teams, shedding blockers, stacking up running backs. I mean, I mean even passer. In, big mo- in big moments made big plays too. Not just like, just made a big play. Like, we needed him. He made a play. I was like, what number is that? I'm like, I thought it was like, almost like a typo or my eyes were like deceiving me. It was Justin Jones. <laughs> Seriously. And I mean, we, we were looking at a player that was playing as if Nick, he had been told, Hey man, you better watch out because uh, Gravon Dexter had himself a nice little game. Like they're gonna start taking your snaps away, and he went no, <laughs> and just put on a worldy. Like where this came from, I don't know. But so so are we telling everyone to message him and like just like secretly motivate him? Like oh man, hey Justin, heard you might lose your starting job, and then like before every game, and then you know it's like he's like the Hulk, and, and then he get me in jail awesome. for harassment. Like <laughs> probably no, so don't do that. <laughs> no, no, I know. I'm kidding. Our, our, our people wouldn't do that. Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. You know, this is, this is like, this is like conspiracy theory stuff. Okay. Oh boy. What are you about to ask me? Yeah. Right. Ooh. Ooh. This everyone. isn't even the quiz. That's everyone. Later. Everyone's like, everyone's like stopped their vehicles. You know, they're right. like, Oh, they pulled I didn't up. study. Okay. What, what's going on. So here's, when when we heard what happened to Justin Fields, right? This is the tweet. Jay Glazer. So so it's not just you know whomever. Jay Glazer said this. Bears quarterback Justin Fields dislocated his thumb today, popped it back in, and he tried to play but was unable to grip the ball. X-rays were negative uh, because of a dislocation. We'll need MRI tomorrow to find out the full severity of damage. Okay, here's the key part. Maybe I'm reading too in this too much. So dislocated his thumb today. Popped it back in and he tried to play, but was unable to grip the ball. Did he dislocate his thumb, pop it back in, try to play? It didn't go well. Then he landed on it again and it went worse. Or was the play the only play that it got hurt? Because I looked, there were several places I was like, man, there's a helmet right there. There's a sneak here. He gets just trucked by a couple of guys here. 
And I'm like, was the end one the severe one? And did it happen a little bit earlier? I have to assume that the end one was the severe one. Call me, call me a sheeple, right? But Justin Fields takes this massive hit from Daniil Hunter in a play where, honestly, 2022 Fields probably beats Hunter to the edge of the defense. That's We're not going to talk about it. Uh, yeah. But so as a free runner like and fully legal runner, Hunter just takes him to the ground and puts his helmet into it. Like, that was tough to watch. And then the next play afterwards, the last play that Fields had in this game, he takes a huge hit and he does put his hand down to brace himself. So I was, it's not like I tried to ultra x-ray study this specific injury, but it sure seemed like that was the play because if he couldn't grip the ball, you can't call some of the deep shots that the bears were trying to call and expect to even throw them at all. Like if you've got a football in your living room, try to hold it without your thumb. Like obviously (laughs) you can't. No. Yeah. (laughs) So, so I'm not saying that. It, I'm just wondering if it happened earlier and then the last one was like the severe one because I went back and looked. Do you remember the play? We talked about this when Nate Davis got injured. Right. Justin Fields was also injured that play. I went back and watched it and he gets hit kind of ribs midsection area, but I saw his, his he threw and I was like, man, did his thumb hit his helmet? Because like then, then we're like, I'm going in trying to find out. And there are several other plays where he does play fakes, but he's holding his hand in. But I'm like, is that just how the play fake is? So I, I don't know. I'm guessing it's probably just that play, but I don't know if, cause here it says, and he tried to play. So I don't know if that means he's on the sideline trying to grip a ball. Cause I thought he went blue tent and went locker room right away. Right. I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't like, know. And, and unfortunately, because we don't know and because they're not going to tell us when it happened, that means we've got to grade the film as it was. And just to quickly right. go through, because I don't want to spend too much time, I'm wearing all black. Like, I'm, we're in on the joke. But yeah. all yeah. the same, yeah. it bummed me out that we asked these questions about fields that we did after the Denver game, after the Washington game. We said, yeah. what's going to happen when read number one isn't there? And we yeah. got a defensive situation that you would hope your quarterback adjusts to and didn't feel like we adjusted to it much. Like we tried to pass protect our way through all of our problems. We tried to run out of most of them. We misread the defense on it's, it's not brutal, Nick, like there are plenty of young quarterbacks that would make this mistake, but fields misrecognizing a cover two drop in or that he thinks is cover three and DJ Moore coming wide open down the sidelines yep. was a knife in the abdomen. And it doesn't help anything that assuming his thumb was still working to be so clear, Darnell Mooney comes wide open for a whole shot over Tampa two. Like on that last play, we pass on it. We move on. We end up yep. taking an unnecessary hit. We get hit or like we get hurt. It it it, it seemed like his eyes dropped, which I mean, I think is, you know, we're, we're here in our homes, not getting drilled. No. And that's something that every quarterback, Tom Brady, everyone deals with. That's why you want to get pressure. That's why you pay the D tackles, the DNs, they get exactly. the draft picks, all the money. Cause when you start hitting the quarterback, then their clock speeds up and they take off quicker. And I, that's what it felt like to me is like the, the whole shot you're talking about more on the sideline. There was some pressure, but you're like, you could get it off before that, but you're like, that's easier for me to say. I've been getting hit all day. So hundred percent. And I, I don't know where that's at. Let's, this is going to tie in with the next thing. Time for my quiz. Oh, perfect. 
every week. Everyone likes this quiz. I've 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 received zero negative feedback about the quiz. There you go. I've okay. received zero positive feedback about it either, but I'm hey, just going to assume. That's zero negative feedback as far yeah, as I'm Yeah, yeah. I'm going to assume positive. People like this stuff. So I'm going to keep going. Okay. So, and again, I don't I don't prep Robert at all. He has no, no idea. I what really am coming is. in blind. No idea. Okay. Robert and everyone at home. In 2024, mm-hmm. how much dead cap money does Chicago already have? I don't know this one. I, I could tell you exactly how much cap space they have if they cut Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair because they uh-huh. have $130 million. But if I had to guess, so first of all, we're just going dead cap, right? Dead uh, cap. Nobody's cut yet. Nobody's it's just cut dead yet. cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, I, I'm going to hit you with like a 20 questions style yes or no few things. Is it less than $10 million? <laughs> People at home, do you think I should give him this? Um, it is it is less than $10 million. Okay. I had a feeling that polls may have actually cleaned the books quite a yeah. bit. If yeah. I had to guess, it is approximately $4 million, but I don't have it in my head where it comes from. It's just a blind guess. Okay. I'm going to pause. Everyone's still thinking and guessing. The correct answer is Chicago is currently on the books right now. Again, before there's any cuts, and we're going to talk about those here in a minute. $780,000. I love hearing that. I was Which like, is amazing because when you when we go back, everybody, Jimmy Graham was getting paid like for four years. And Danny Trevathan just got the book, got off the books last year. That's yep, not Trevathan, a joke. I mean, like, there's, there's a ton of them where we were eating the debt. I mean, think of, you know, we loved him, Khalil Mack, like all of these contracts, we clean them all up. And if, and I have a list of honestly, only three guys I think that Chicago could legitly cut and save money next year. Other than that, we have a very, very open book. So that brings me to the next area here, the trade deadline. Oh, We're hearing about, ooh, trades last oh, year. No. Oh, Roquan, no, Robert Are we Quinn, not polarizing enough? We have Chase to talk Claypool. about it. <laughs> so, Robert Schmitz, the trade deadline is here. Yeah. You are Robert Poles. Yep. Oh, I'm totally selling. Okay. Like, Okay, tell me why. Tell me why you're selling. So I'm selling because to me, there's no way that Fields can work himself into the plan for 2024. That is brutal, but it is how I feel. Because now we're looking at a quarterback that has missed time with injury in all of his three seasons. We're looking at a quarterback that has now played three and a half bad games and two good games. So the ratio that we wanted to get is we're already past inconsistent. We are not where we want it to be. And maybe more importantly, a it doesn't take being a wizard, a soothsayer, or a genius to see that the Panthers are a really strong lottery ticket on, yeah. to the top of the draft. And unfortunately, so are the Bears. So so, so, so what do you want for Fields? Because we have a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to get through here. So what are you giving? I'm going to take calls for Fields. Uh, okay. If I think that I can get more from him later, like not at the deadline, then I'm going to hang on to him. I don't have to trade him now. Like right. I can, but a lot of this, this is so important because I think this is what everybody needs to hear before we get into any trade deadline talk, or I guess as we get into it, you will pay half price for a player that nobody wants. You will pay market price only if there are two suitors. So 
in Fields' case. Could he draw a second-round pick? That sounds ridiculous to plenty of people. I think his real market value is somewhere between a third or a fourth-round pick. But if Atlanta really wanted him and thought this was relatively cheap, and so does Cleveland, because their quarterback situation is upside down and the relatively cheap contract that they would be taking on from field sounds attractive to them. Suddenly you have a bidding war. That's how you end up trading away pick number 32 for Chase Claypool. This happens every single year, Nick. And that's why, to me, the best trade quantity, if you don't mind me segueing, that the Bears have is Jalen Johnson. No team can ever have enough good corners. And no. as the Bears... Or receivers, but as the Buffalo or as Buffalo loses Tredavious White, as Dallas loses, I I cannot Trevon believe, Diggs. Trevon Diggs. Thank you. His name truly just slipped my mind. Miami mm-hmm. is getting Jalen Ramsey back. Are yep. they sure that he's that dude, or do they want an extra guy? Like, if you want to push for a championship, <coughs> the Bears getting a third. God forbid they get a second. I will do a backflip. I can't do a backflip. I would kill myself. Like, um, I just know how that would end. I'd have to do it into a pool or something. But that would be their best path towards draft value. I love Darnell Mooney. I think Darnell Mooney rules. Darnell Mooney hasn't produced in two years. I think that's largely up to his quarterback. I mean, to be honest with you, Nick, that's just my opinion. No, I, think, I agree with you. I think Fields held Mooney's production back more than Mooney held Fields' production back in 2022. And in 2023, it's just been a total mess on offense. Yeah. So people are going to fall back. They're going to say, well, he's declining. He's a former fifth-round pick. I'll give you a fifth-round pick for him. And that breaks my heart into little no, pieces. We, yeah, you can't do that. So, okay, so... This is this is a very complicated equation because yes. Chicago has a ton of cap space for next year. They're they're the top team, and they're going to sign people. So yes. when you sign someone, especially that early window, which is where Chicago will, it negates anybody that you lose. So anybody, and I I don't have the list with me, but I I I, I wrote this out previously. They are losing a ton of guys on these one-year deals, which is great. So like someone such as Lucas Patrick is gone. Justin Jones is gone. Like I'm happy. They're gone. Robert Tunyon, who has been a disappointment, gone. Yep. But Jalen Johnson's 24. Darnell Mooney is young. Andrew Billings. Those are three guys that you could sign. So really, this is a bigger question. This is on an ownership question. Are you keeping... Ryan Poles. I'm, I'm not going to get big into it, but that's that question. And then Ryan Poles, are you keeping Matt Eberflus? And or Ryan Poles, are we keeping Jalen Johnson? Is he going to fit the scheme next year? Is Darna Mooney going to fit the scheme? Is Andrew Billings going to make the scheme? All of them, I think, are good players. This is where I'm at with those three, at least. Yeah, the dead cap is good where we've eliminated that down and the bad contractor mm-hmm. down. I think all three of those are good players. And I think that Chicago needs to keep good players. I'm sick of where we can't keep punting this down the line and getting, you know, a third round pick for Jalen Johnson and hoping the guy is going to be as good as Jalen Johnson with third round pick is probably not going to happen in my world. So right. to me, I think, and but also depends on how have the contract negotiations gone. Do they want elite money? None of these guys are elite. Can you get them at between seven 
eight to thirteen million. Do they even want to play for you anymore? Like, I mean, I understand. I understand yeah. that money fixes all problems, but yeah. we have seen plenty of players like Trent Williams who said, I am not playing for Washington anymore. And yeah. he had great reasons to given what was going on with the like medical situation there. But so beyond that, if Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney are saying for other people, yeah, I may take less for you. It's going to take 20 million to keep me. I'm Darnell yeah. Mooney. And that's my final stance. Like, yeah, He's welcome to, or they're welcome to take that, right? But so, like and, you're saying, but like we've, they've already heard this. They've had some negotiations. So, so that to me, mm-hmm. I think that dictates whether we trade those players or not. And right. I put Billings in there too because, I mean, he's 28. He'll be 29 yep. next year. I think he's earned it. We've talked about this. We like him. One, does he want to come back? And two, does he fit? You know, whatever scheme. I mean, are they going to go to a 34 next year if they have a new coach? Like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know any of this stuff. Are they going to play press man now out of nowhere? Do they? Are they sick of Jalen Johnson not intercepting passes? The one, the one caveat you talked about Fields. What makes it tough for him is with a quarterback learning a new system during the year is very difficult. Super sucks. So that one I think might be an offseason one. But the other two guys we have to talk about, and you'd mentioned this, Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair. Yeah. They're both going to be gone in the offseason, everybody. I'm sorry to say that, but Eddie Jackson, if you get rid of him, you save 12.5 million. Cody Whitehair, we've seen his best days are behind him. Uh, $9.1 million if you get rid of him. Now, it, I think it might be tough for a team to absorb that. I don't know how much they would pay, but maybe. Who knows? But if I, I, if I sure. had to guess, building yeah. off the point you're making, Cody Whitehair has played himself into being completely untradeable. And I oh, wish yeah. that that was like hyperbolic. But right. there's just there's just no way you can make a move. If I am Ryan Poles, I yeah. have to trade Eddie Jackson. And Eddie can't stay healthy right now. So yeah. I'm going to have to basically find somebody who's going to take him off my hands for nearly free. But I'm going to say something extraordinarily aggressive here, Nick. And that is that the defensive difference between when four is on the field and when Elijah Hicks replaces him is so obvious that if we are selling at the <laughs> deadline, I have got to get rid of playmakers that wow. aren't going to be here long term. I get it. Like I get it. a sixth round pick, a seventh round pick, God forbid, a fifth round pick. Because to some other team, like the Eagles, who have Sean Desai, who loves Eddie Jackson, or yep. Miami, who may make the argument you can never have too much safety depth, especially if the Bears are going to hold most of his contract for this year. And then the team, uh, the next year is basically just going to either cut him or make whatever decision they may, right? Like Eddie Jackson could be a playoff contender for you. Like, yes, he's got a foot injury. He's working out. It's week six for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to think that he can rehab this thing, especially if you gave him a couple weeks to do it as he learns your defense. But within the bears structure, I could argue Eddie's the guy who may win you a game. Right. Somewhere down the line. Well, but just even this, if people are like, well, no, this just doesn't happen. The 49ers just trade for Randy Gregory, who was going to get cut. They saw someone that can help their team. And like, you know, we'll have him just this year and then he'll be gone. We've saw, and again, this is a a better instance, but Von Miller get traded for half a year for what a second, a third round pick. They're like, this guy can help and we can't re-sign him, but it'll help us win a title. Like, like this stuff does happen. The deadline started moving lately. Like 
And truly, you can't have enough good DBs. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they can, frankly, get rid of Jackson. And the other piece to this is this would take Ryan Poles committing to eating L's. And this is, to me, to me personally, as a fan, Nick, I kind of hope they do. Not just because I want to lose the games, but because I want to be able to root on Tyson Bajan in a game like this one against the Raiders without asking myself, wait, 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 hang on, Tyson. Let's not go too far. And like start to tear the cover off the ball. You know what I mean? But, but Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney are not Ryan Pohl's picks. No, they're not. They're not Matt Eberflus guys either. Now, again, I'm, we'll talk about that at some point, but they're, so they're, they're leftovers still. And he has flipped this whole team. So, I mean, these guys have not gotten a long-term deal yet. Maybe there's a reason for that. Like, who who knows what's going on? But I agree, you cannot have enough cover guys. I don't think you have enough good wide receivers. I mean, no. you're telling me that Kansas City, who just got Miko Hardman, which, I mean, I guess he knows this scheme, but, like, Darnell Mooney's way better than that. Right. San Francisco just lost, or, well, is banged up Debo Samuel. You think Darnell Mooney couldn't help them? Or Dallas? The Eagles just signed Julio, okay? I mean, even even Miami. You think Miami wouldn't want another speed guy? I know they just got Claypool, but you know, like as corny as it sounds, Nick, I think sometimes we overrate how well opposing like organizations or other organizations know players like we do. Like there are some players that are going to refer to Elijah Hicks as twenty-two because they could not tell you his first name, yeah. for instance, and they nor are they going to try. I mean, as far as they've seen on their scouting reports, he's a jag. Don't worry about him. Put like test him as if he does not exist. And and they're right to do it. Uh, with Darnell Mooney, I think he's a beast. There's probably three guys out there in pro personnel, like pro personnel runners, that think that Darnell Mooney is awesome and that the Bears are just misusing him. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's 28 other teams, especially given the really unproductive year that he's having, like. Uh, the NFL teams watch primetime games too. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, well, the, the the other thing too is, I mean, I know we talk about coaching and stuff all the time. I'm not sure that they're not misusing Darnell Mooney. I saw so many. Now Darnell Mooney is 180 pounds in tight run blocking quarters, missing blocks. I mean, kind of just in the way. Why do you have a 180 pound guy lined up as your sniffer? trying to dig out some defender and block him in a run game or he's pinning the end on a toss. What are we doing? Like, that's just bad. So anyways, okay. That's that. Okay. So trade deadline. Okay. This is, this is, this is going to be fun. Okay. I don't know how long we're going to have to get into this. I, I Folks, just so you know, I don't know how much we're going to get into the Raider preview. I mean, I just don't know how much it matters. We, well, we might get into it some, but I think this is the juiciest part. We're going to cover it for a little bit. I mean, right. cause but, I, I think, Okay, so speaking of the Raiders preview, because this is so important, okay? So you cannot, as an organization, have no quarterback. No team can have no quarterback. And the ones that do, they've got to have gutsy owners that are ready to deal with the fan-like blowback you're going to get from your season ticket holders on blatantly punting on a season. If Tyson Bagent hangs let's let's just say this nick if tyson bajant goes out there and the raiders score 24 points and bajant throws one pick he fumbles once because he's a rookie neither of those picks uh or like neither of those turnovers get taken back for touchdowns and 
which, he, which is questionable with Chicago this year. And he and the offense grind their way down the field three separate times for uh, and move the ball a little bit. But so they score 17 points and they lose 17 to 24. People are going to freak out like everybody loves the young quarterback. Everybody loves everybody loves young quarterbacks, like especially a young UDFA quarterback that's as well spoken as Tyson Bajet is. I mean, when you listen to him, you can fire it up. There's a reason did, did you, you and did I, you hear his press conference today. Yeah, I did. He's he's a stud. He, he's <laughs> awesome. My my favorite part was I think Courtney Cronin asked him this. She's like, so if you didn't make it in the NFL, what would you be doing? And he's like, mm, I'd probably just be some like CrossFit freak, and then I'd be working at a high school somewhere. It was just like such a just like honest Seriously. answer, but it was hilarious. Like I, he's he's such a likable kid right now, you right. know. Um, it, but so, I mean, I'm yeah. I mean, we talked about this before the season started, and you told me you would call me out if I said, "Hey, just put in the backup." How could it get any worse? Do you remember this? Yes, I did. So this this is a little bit of that coming through. And that's the thing, though. What I'm what I'm trying to explain here is that if Bajent goes out and looks like the worst type of UDFA rookie, the Bears are going to have to continue acting, or not acting, but they can't really take the posture of sell it all, right? Because at that point, you you look defeated. And roughshod and embarrassing, and you gotta play angle wise. Like you gotta play. Well, we only looked like that because our quarterbacks hurt. But if Bajent looks competent, it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears are gonna go cool future. It is then, and just start to strip down. And Tyson's gonna get the majority of the reps going forward. And not that the Bears will move off of Fields blatantly. I'd be surprised if they did. Right? Like if they traded Fields, that would be a that would be a hell of a move. Let's that just put it that something. way, right? That would be something. But it wouldn't surprise me. I, I would still be sad. Of course. I would be very sad. I don't think that there's a like a great, like, yes, this this is amazing, like result to fields being traded. Well, well, I think that's what I mean. Bears Twitter out there. If you guys are on Twitter, I assume you are. That's probably why you met Robert and I. Hello. Hey. We met you, right? Like you met us probably on Twitter. Bears Twitter is just like trying to to have a drink of water out of a fire hose right now. It's just like, oh, like yeah. there's like it's chaos because it's like you have the fields people. It's like it's all fields, and you know we don't want Caleb Williams. They have the Caleb Williams people, and like get rid of fields. He's a bust, and then you have some in the middle. But it's just like craziest right now. Like people, we don't know what's going to happen. No, n- n- nobody does. And what I can be pretty confident on is that Tyson Bajan is not going to become a franchise quarterback. I think that the best case scenario, hey, old takes expose me if this isn't the case, but the best case scenario is a Cooper Rush style player uh, that becomes a very, but what very about Brock good. Purdy, Robert? Uh, yeah, I know. If is the moment <laughs> that the Bears get a wide receiver one and then also Debo, who is a wide receiver one, and then they Christian add, McCaffrey. Well, that's the problem. Trent Williams. Let, let me say something that I think George is, Kittle. Let, let me say something I think you're going to laugh at because it's exactly what I mean. Tyson Bajan's film looked exactly like Brock Purdy's did last year. And that is not a compliment. <laughs> no, no. Brock, Brock Purdy got better this year. If Brock Purdy know, got a lot better this year. Lot, yes. And he started last year with horrible footwork 
He faded away from nearly every throw for no real reason. He couldn't push the ball further than about 30 yards downfield because he just couldn't get his like he couldn't get his body mechanics into the throw. He muddied up a lot of reads downfield. And when he didn't know what to do, he checked it down to Christian McCaffrey. And the secret sauce to rookie Brock Purdy is that that is never the wrong decision. Like no. checking it down Check it to down. Christian McCaffrey. Rob, Robert, did, did you play baseball growing up? A little bit. If you can't, do, do, do you ever play outfield? Uh, too much. <laughs> too much. So you know what crow hopping is, right? Yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, explain, explain crow hopping real crow quick. Crow hopping is that uh, it, it's that thing you've seen everybody do, everybody, where you step into the throw. You like take a little hop into the throw so that you can push all of your momentum into the throw with you as you rip the thing right. forward. Right. G- gives you more power, right? right? All that kind of stuff. Okay. So I did that analogy because if people play baseball, which more people play baseball probably than quarterbacking, I'm going to talk about the two deep balls that Tyson Bajan had that were both underthrown. One was the double move to Tyler Scott that got the PI that he right. underthrew. And the other one is the interception. Both of them were underthrown because the 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 one to more. Yeah, there's a guy in his face, but he also hesitated and he didn't crow hop, which we would call you would hitch into the throw. That's the same thing. You're hitching into it, right? You're moving your body forward. It helps you get more power on it. And the same thing with Tyler Scott. He's just sitting there, he pumps, and then he lets it go. He's stationary. He, and again, this is, no, I, I'm, I like Tyson Bajan. I hope he does well. Okay, everybody. I, I hope he does well. He doesn't have Damarino arm. Doesn't. He doesn't have the Josh Allen arm. He doesn't have the Justin Fields arm. He just doesn't. So he needs to hitch into the throw more. And that's why those two were were underthrown. This is what makes Justin Herbert's arm so unbelievable. That he's a freak. From a standing position, he can just rifle frozen ropes 30 yards downfield. Yeah. Normal people look like Tyson Bajan. And just to be so clear, everybody. Like Tyson Bajan's arm is still probably a tier lower than Tua Tagovailoa, but there are plenty of things that you can do on an NFL football field be fine. with like, especially when you're throwing with anticipation. And I mean, that's the thing. Bajan had some moments of really nice anticipation. Uh, he had other moments where he was late, like that slant route to DJ Moore, way late. But also, late. I don't want to belabor the point. I hate belaboring the point. This is a UDFA rookie in a spot start out of nowhere, filling in for injury time. The dude gets all of the mercy and grace that you can afford him because mm-hmm. that is the worst possible scenario that a yep. quarterback can get called into. And and again, we and we talked about this in the preseason. I don't think they they ran the ball a lot with him, you know, and they right. had the the checks off of the runs where, you know, maybe they tried to throw those screens too like often. The RSOs. But, but I I still don't think the moment looked too big for him. That's the that's the most impressive part to me. The 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 heart and the yes. mind of Tyson Bajan is the most impressive thing to me. All like right, in terms so, of like you go from UDFA to beating out PJ Walker, who just beat the 49ers, by the way, everybody. Now again, I'm gonna say that defense is really good. To now he's in the game and he let him down for a scoring drive, was leading them down again. Like impressive. All right, Nick, I'm gonna hit you with a statement. And you're going to tell me whether you think it's fair or unfair. And I want you to really give it a chance. Okay. Justin Fields, his play style, which is hold onto the ball a lot longer than normal, rip huge deep throws when he gets the chance to 
playmake when he doesn't get the chance to pretty much focuses the entire results of the offense on him. If he is not playing well, that offense will crater. And on a day like we saw in week one, in week two, in week six, that's exactly what happened. Because Mm -hmm. without fields, the offense doesn't just not move forward, it steps back. With Tyson Bajant, you get the opposite. Like, you get nearly none of the tools. And I mean, we are really lacking some of these tools. We have one plus tool that I have noticed, and that is his release. It is really fast. Like, there's a play he made, the quick throw to Tanyan, where there's a similar play earlier in the game. Where oh, he Fields, gets drilled. He gets drilled. But Fields oh. had a man coming at him with Cole Kmet open, and Fields mm-hmm. had a full second to throw the ball and didn't naturally think he could do it, so he didn't try, right? Yep. Bajant had three quarters of a second to throw this ball to Tanyan. I don't know if he knew this guy was coming. Let's, for the sake of argument, assume he didn't. But it took him a hey, half It was his blind side. I don't think he saw it. But it took him a half second to release the ball to Tanyan. It's yep. the only reason the ball got out at all. Otherwise, so, keep going. Yeah, so two things. One is, you asked for my honest opinion, truth, because because he's uh, he's John Stockton. He's the point guard. He's distributing yes. and letting the guys do their thing instead of being Michael Jordan. Right. That's that's how it is. And two, the guy that got beat on that pass pro where Beijing gets drilled was Dante Foreman again. Again. I mean, that just happens all the time. But it's more to say that in a perfect world where Beijing came in and played to the to the top of what he might be able to do, I actually think the Bears offense has some bangs because basically then you you mass up the talent and you say, well, how good is DJ Moore? Really good. How good is D, or Darnell Mooney? Better than we've seen this year. How good is this running game? When it's heating or like when it's heated, it's going to be pretty good. But this is the first start of a UDFA rookie with right. nearly no reps at all. He will not play to the best of his abilities. No. No, well, and if he well, does, and- it'll be amazing. Right, and, and exactly, case in point. So, like, you, things you think, I mean, he's not going to be flawless, okay? Not case, at in all. Point. case in point, fourth and two, we run stick, okay? So, stick is, you're, 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 there's three receivers over there. Number one, the outside guy runs a go. That's Tyler Scott. Second guy is Darnell Mooney. He runs a five-yard just out. <laughs> Third guy is DJ Moore. He, does, he runs a five-yard hitch. And then works his way out slowly. Bajan looks at it. He could back shoulder Mooney potentially, but that's that's like the more covered guy. And then and then the next guy would be DJ Moore, who comes wide open. Wide open. What's he do? He throws a whole shot, which honestly isn't completely wrong. It's Badass thing two. to try. Throws yeah. it with anticipation. Yep. It, does it? Just, he just kind of has a noodle. He doesn't get his arm into it, and so. Yeah, it, it's, out of bounds. It takes but, so long to get there that the DB but, gets back involved. Situation. That's first and 10. Sure. Second 10. Sure. Fourth and two, throw the first down. A hundred percent. And I mean, another great example. I think uh, it's hard to talk about pocket presence for a rookie like that. Oh, he's good. I like it. Bajant's at the very least, Bajant's profile of being really light on his feet, sometimes too light on his feet. He really doesn't get a lot of power out of his lower body. He tries to wrist shot. Nearly every throw that he attempted on Sunday was a form of a wrist shot, and it's what made running the, let's call it the field's game plan of push the ball down the field like a maniac, it kind of clashed 
with what, what uh, with what he wants to do. But one of my, but one of my favorite plays he ran, which was a Fields play, right? It was when he kept the read option and ran, and he hilarious. got four yards. I was so proud of him because you know that's the run game. You right. go in, that's the game plan. That's what I, they practiced. It's awesome. And he did it. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. But so the interception is a great example of just so we're all on the same page. I like the attitude. Like you get DJ more one on one. Yeah, you should click into that. And he beat him. Crow hopping and getting a throw off. You should do that. We kind of step into the man. Also, Larry Borum just sort of falls apart out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, we go from (laughs) we have him to we don't have him at all. But when people say, well, Robert, Paget's going to do this. It's like on seven downs, he's probably going to be what you think he's going to be. And then there's going to be this like cataclysm moment where the read isn't quite what he thinks it's going to be. But he goes, oh, shoot. That, that was the right read and forces it in late. And that's how you get the slant route to DJ Moore that in a parallel universe that gets picked off too. Like there are going to be turnover worthy plays because yeah. that's what happens when you have a quick op rookie playing with uh, like playing with a cast that's functionally new to him. Let's not forget Tyson Bajan's first pass attempt was also Valus Jones's first target of the season. It's not an accident that Tyler Scott, Valus Jones Bob Tanyan and a bunch of guys that have not been contributors were suddenly contributors. Those yeah. guys Tyson knows. And it's more me trying to point out if you go back and watch the Purdy tape, he leaves like should have been interceptions all over it. It's actually a borderline miracle that he's not thrown more in his NFL career. Not dissimilar. I'm going to throw you all the way back, uh, Nick, to when Josh McCown threw what felt like an interception or pick six every game the defenses simply couldn't hang on to during that McCown heater back Dude, in his Bears day. Remember that Dallas game? Awesome. He was amazing. Super, I mean, super fun. Well, the, the, the other thing, besides having much better talent around him, he also has Kyle Shanahan calling plays Brock Purdy. But Of course. So, so two things here, Robert. I have a question for you, and then I have Raiders preview. Both will take probably the same amount of time. What do you want to dive into? Let's go uh, the question for me first so that you don't forget it, and then we'll wrap with a little bit of Raiders preview as we talk about what we want from the game, what we expect to see from the game, and everything else in there. Okay, question. This is going to take probably, it might take a while. And then, and then I have to answer it as well. What would you, Robert Schmitz, do? This offseason. Like open-ended question? Yep. Oh, wow. I expected you were going to say with blank. Um, nope. I would, I would just start over. Like, I would, I mean, this, that's a whole pod for another time, man. I, I, like, hey, 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 this is the question. I'm, I'm not too, to me. The biggest part, or like the hardest part about this field's discussion was that the moment that I became so out on Eberflus, which did not take long. Because the the first couple of games of the season were legitimately abysmal. And worse, they looked exactly like what we saw last year. That was mm-hmm. one of those seminal moments of, wow, we didn't take any lessons away from this. We really thought this was going to work. This is not going to work. The moment Eberflus was going to be out the door, what the, the Fields conversation changed. Because it went from Fields needs to prove that he's somebody we can build around to a third, co- a third head coach is going to stick with Justin Fields. That's not going to happen. Like it, there's just going to be too much losing. It would take fields playing like Justin Herbert to get that kind of like Mm -hmm. accreditation. And he's not doing that. 
right? Jalen Hurts, to use the example that I'm trying to be very deliberate with, Jalen Hurts wouldn't have survived this scenario. And we wouldn't have seen him become what he is with the Eagles right now, which is an offense that don't mention this year is up and down. I was about to say, like, I actually think the Hurts example is really poignant. Okay. Like, look at another one is Josh Allen, who's kind of all over the place and he's a stud and we love him. Him and Hurts are not these like bonafide, sure thing, absolutely super duper star that every org like that's the thing i get you i get you i think Allen is i think hertz is really really good i think hertz is going to exist because i think i've seen hertz throw with a little bit more anticipation than fields like hertz does a lot of the operational stuff a lot better than i've seen fields do it where we look back and it's been it's been once a bad game if not five times a bad game nick where we go why did they do this and we can hang it all on getsy but if i gave Two-fifths blame on Getze, two-fifths blame on Fields, and one-fifth blame on player execution. There's just too many blame points yeah, that end up it. on the quarterback for so, me to for me to not wonder. But anyways, I'm getting So what else this offseason then? I'm going to hire an offensive head coach. Like, I'm going to go through the interview process. I, Robert, I'm not going to pretend I know who that is. Like, let's use Ben Johnson as a placeholder. But it could sure. be Bobby Slowick if he pops off. It could be Shane Waldron. It could be uh, the guy in... Tampa that has been low-key kind of fun uh, with what he does. It could be Kellen Moore. It could be, and I'm probably going to stop there, like a young offensive coach comes in. The Bears are going to end up with high picks. You take a quarterback. Oh, what do you do if, Robert, if you end up with number four, you take a quarterback? Like, Fields hasn't proven us anything. Sad but true stat, Nick. Cade McNown had a 20% win percentage for the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields has a 19.3 win percentage for the Chicago Bears. I think minimum 10 starts. Justin Fields is the losingest Bears quarterback in history. I'm not saying that it's all his fault at all. Like not I even said, close. That should burn you up. But well, it does. But I mean, I, I think I did this on this pod where I talked about how many the points allowed. Oh, yeah. When he's been quarterbacking. But yeah, you're right. So, and I mean... So I guess what I was getting to with this is a little bit of what we talked about. I mean, Cody Whitehair's gone. Eddie Jackson's gone. Sign Chase Young. Sign Connor Williams. Like, patch up a bunch of different things. If I can get a safety, I probably want at least one safety uh, so that then I can go draft a safety, but I don't immediately have to start him. You have to start over at quarterback. If that means J.J. McCarthy, Quinn Ewers, Shitter Sanders, like uh, whoever else is, Michael Penix, like whatever else you think that is. Starting over the rookie contract and netting a Justin Fields would not bother me. Fields has not proven that much, unfortunately. Like, yeah. I love Fields, but you, when we sit here and legitimately compare him to a UDFA quarterback, we know we have a problem. Like, yeah. we've got all the tools, but you get it. You get Is it. Is Mooney back? Jalen Johnson back? I would love to. I'm planning around not having them back because yeah. I don't expect they want to be back. And I, in that case, I become thankful that the Bears have Tyreek Stevenson, that they have drafted Tyler Scott. And I'm not expecting Scott to be a wide receiver too, because the wide receivers that hit the free agent market, if you slot them as a wide receiver two and stop acting like they're a wide receiver one, there's always a Jacoby Myers. There's always an Alan Lazard. There's always an option on the yeah. wide receiver market to, I'm, I'm not saying the guy would be the super separator that I think Mooney is, but I mean, there's also this other name right now that keeps getting whispered around <laughs> Bears fandom. And if they did have a shot 
Marvin Harrison. I'm not worried about losing Mooney. And I mean, that's right. before we get into Ebukite, like Adunze, these other yep. wide receivers that look like they could be capital S studs or at worst solid wide receiver two options. Like mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty upbeat about where the bears are at going forward. If the bottom falls out, it's if the bottom looks like it's going to fall out, but then it kind of comes back together. That's the bad zone, right? It kind of is, yeah. Like yep. what the bears can't do. I hate saying this. I hate saying this, Nick, because it's so toxic in Robert's opinion. The bears can't go on a winning streak. Like, and I don't know if they're going to get the chance to, like if they lose this Raiders game, which is probably going to be the the toughest scenario for Tyson Bajant to play well, just given that like Nate Davis is going to be out. We're still going to be dealing with horrible center play. There's no real way around that, right? We've got a backup left tackle. If the Raiders are smart, they're going to get Crosby on Borum the entire game. I would avoid Darnell Wright. Like if if I was yeah. them, Go at board. I mean, I mean, but in terms of winnable games, it's this game in the in the Carolina game. This game, like Carolina far. and Arizona, I swear, is writing themselves out of that conversation. Well, yeah, because Kyler, Kyler Murray could come up. So, so, so quickly, because we have to get to the Raider preview. But so, <clears throat> what I would do right now, where I'm at, is we're we're not all too dissimilar. <laughs> um, I would, I mean, okay, insert. I mean, Eberflus has to be gone. Unfortunately, I think Ryan Pohl stays. I think he's allowed to hire another head coach. I have that head coach and Ryan Poles decide on quarterback. If they want fields, then let the new head coach pick what they want. Don't, but don't Ryan Poles make him keep him. If he doesn't want him, we know how that goes, but I love Marvin Harrison jr. Just as much as anyone else. There is no chance. And, and I mean, we don't know how the picks are going to end up right now. They're one and two. If they're one and three, whatever. If there's a team coming up to get a quarterback, there's no chance that I'm like, nah, I'm going to take the player over getting the treasure trove of picks right. and DJ Moore's. And, and that's a whole conversation. Whatever. But so just yeah. to be clear, just to be clear, because I think what you're saying is totally amenable. So long as you sit down with Ben Johnson, he blows you away. You're Ryan or you're what is it? Nick Poles at this point. <laughs> and he says, man, come on. Yeah. I want a new quarterback. What do I want to be? The giants like doesn't bother you at all. No, no. Cause because I think if you don't do that, you're not getting the true Ben Johnson. And, and how, how is that going to be? Like, this is like, totally. okay. Anyone that's here listening, that's a man. Okay, uh, your parents arranged in marriage, and this is who you have to marry, and you have to be with your whole life. It could be good, but odds are it'd probably be better if you picked your own person, right? So right. I think that we need to let Ben Johnson pick the own person. So whether it's you know they get whether Caleb, they get, or not. they get May, they get Fields, but I would trade for the treasure trove of picks, which would include. I my hope is they would keep some of Billings, Mooney, or Johnson, but. They have to come out of this offseason with an upgrade at center. I would say three new defensive ends. I was going to say probably like they need seven new defensive linemen. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, and then if you bring Billings back, I think you bring in another guy that can be almost a rotational player. And then you have hope right. that the two kids and another rotational guy can make that work. Um, corner is actually a big concern. I mean, we talked about safety. That's obviously a concern. 
Corner is actually an interesting thing. If you don't bring Jalen Johnson back, depending on how Tyreek Stevenson does, and honestly, Terrell Smith's a fifth-round pick, you could go, it depends on how many picks you get when this treasure trove, you could go corner round one, too, as well. Oh, please like, don't. Like, I, I get what you're saying. I really do. But I sit there and I look at the blue chipper that you might get at the top of the draft for a podcast that we have got to talk about later because it is it is still week seven. Right? I know. <laughs> we'll get there. So, like, okay, so, so that that's that, right? Right. Signing, I get, I, I'm with you, another receiver. Um, but this is going to be a big offseason. And so I I think this is something we're always going to be bringing up. And oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's whatever. But I'm, hey, everybody, like, it's tough right now, okay? The, the thing Bears. that gets me and Robert through this is mock draft simulator and just, like, seeing oh, yeah. the things and picks and players that you can get because we're in this together. So the bears um, have an opportunity. I have looked it up like there are, you are going to look chances are if you're a hardcore bears fan, you're eventually going to look at, Oh, well, who are the pending free agents in 2024? Eliminate anybody under 26 because uh, they're not going to get there outside of more than likely one of chase young or Montez sweat. Like Washington has just put themselves in a really tough position to keep them both. But by, I believe it was when they didn't take Chase Young's uh, fifth year option. And the yeah. decision made sense at the time, but it leaves them a bit cash strapped and stranded now that they have signed Deron Payne. The Bears are almost assuredly going to sign the other one. Like, that's, and that's great. Chase Young looked like a beast pass rusher in his Montez game against Sweat's us. Montez Sweat looked consistent, debatably better, given that he was so consistent. Chase Young moves with the pedigree of a first overall pick, spottier player. It's That's a whole conversation for later. They also get a shot at Christian Wilkins, Chris Jones, Daniil Hunter, and a couple of other aging but still pretty good football players that if the Bears want to re-rack and hit warp speed, like they may choose to spend there while they go into the draft knowing that they could get these trade-down options that, like you're talking about. I mean, maybe they do land an edge rusher. Maybe they yeah. don't. And so they may throw $50 million at brand new edges or two defensive fine. linemen plus extras. Can I, can I just cash add in a fun guy? Yeah. Just to, just to, just to. Is it Huff? Stirred up a little bit. Well, that would be, I, does he fit? He's like 6'3", 240. They're going to change defenses, right? Well, that's the thing is we don't know. <laughs> but the, the fun one is, you know, Rashawn Gary, does he want to come back to Green Bay or not? He has to go back to Green Bay. That's what Why? they do. That's what they Why? do. Like you, you, you can't always, <laughs> it can't always be a certain way. Jordan Love. Oh, I, it's not about love. Like I'm assuming that they're going to re-rack a quarterback. Like I, I've been thinking about this the entire year for what it's <laughs> worth, Nick. Like before the season, I got in a hot water with or with Twitter's fans or Packers fans for saying that they that Jordan Love is going to look okay sometimes. And How did that not, come together, Robert? What? How did who was right so far? Me, me. If that's I know. what you're going for, I, I know. <laughs> I mean, especially in that last game, for crying out loud. But the last two games, oh, yeah. where defenses have started to adjust him. Anyways, not a Packers podcast. Point being that the like Gary fits this Green Bay mold that they always they draft their guy and then they extend their guy and then they do nothing in free agency so we'll see but josh allen out of jacksonville and gary were the main two names that i eliminated i would love to have rashad gary i just doubt he leaves right yeah. but back to the green or the raiders preview here's what's sure. funny bears fan let's in jump a, in 
in a tiny little nutshell, you are looking at the team you think you are. It is Devontae Adams on offense. It is Max Crosby on defense. And while I could say all the names of like their supporting cast around them, everything else is just NFL benchmark. Like that. Is that a good word for it, Nick? Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they're, I have some numbers or like I always do. They're, 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 they're below average. They're not like bottom five bad, which I think is what some people perceive them as. They're just a below average. They're like in that 20 to 24 range for most things. So looking at, let's just offensive preview and then I'll probably hit defensive preview and then you can hop in. So offensively, they're ninth worst in yards per play. Ninth worst in quarterback rating, so that's combined both Aiden O'Connell and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Tied for worst yards per carry rushing, which is shocking with Josh Jacobs, you know, leading the league last year. Fifth worst scoring team overall, 22nd in points per drive, 25th in red zone percentage that is results in a, a touchdown, 23rd in third down percentage. Their best player you talked about is Adams. The other one is Colton Miller, not a bad offensive tackle, first round pick. A and Jacoby Myers can play too. At wide receiver. Yeah, 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 Jacob. Well, Hunter Renfro has dropped off. He's a guy I liked a few yeah. years ago with his route running. He has dropped off. I, I just think with the the coaching change, McDaniels doesn't it's, utilize him. Well, let's let like I, we don't need to do a whole thesis statement on this, but yeah. it's like when we saw Wes Welker shift from Tom Brady to Peyton Manning. Like yeah. it, quarterbacks make and break receivers these receivers that we see that are quarterback independent i'm looking at you tyreek hill uh i'm looking at you honestly Devonte adams he's in that he's, category by the way tyreek hill's gonna get a thousand yards in like seven games he's unbelievable he is, this unbelievable. is insane like he is he's a whole new thing from what we've seen and kudos to mcdaniels for that but it's more to say yeah. that like <clears throat> obviously hunter renfro got Derek carr you don't have to choke carr, up about it man what you have to get choked up about it. <laughs> that's that's it. Like, <laughs> I, it's not that I think Hunter Renfro sucks or something. It's just that he, the Derek Carr's ability to throw fastballs and Derek yeah. Carr's preference to pre-snap pick his choice. Like, the funny part about Carr is when you watch Carr, you see what we thought Fields was going to be in many ways. Not exactly the same at all. Like, obviously, there's not the running emphasis. But Carr streamlines his offense. Like, Every time he plays, you know what I'm saying? Like no, he he hates getting hit and pressure too, just like Fields. Carr has the guy that he wants to throw to, his second read and his check down, and that is it. We don't yep. get a third read. We don't have nope. a fourth read. Like we have. Nope. There's a reason Darren Waller caught 1600 yards in the season that Derek Carr didn't have a viable receiver two on the team, mm-hmm. let alone a receiver one. And that's because Carr will pick out the guy he wants to throw to. Man, he's just gonna throw to him, and so. Yep. Suddenly, you get into a more progression read system, and you get Devonte Adams on your team. Hunter Redford disappears. He's fallen off because I think he's gotten injured here and there. But like, Jacoby fits the role too. So I'm not saying it's unsurprising. It's just one of those interesting stories. Like, I bet a Raiders person, if we had him in here, would tell a story similar but not the same as what we've been talking about with Darnell Mooney. We just don't have the context because we don't follow the Raiders that closely, right? No, no. No. Um, so quickly, just defensively, they're uh, 16th in yards per play allowed uh, right here in pressure percentage. I mean, they're kind of they're they're low. They're the fifth worst in the NFL. But again, how much do I believe of that? Because the Bears just allowed whatever anyone wanted in right. terms of pressure um, in terms of quarterback rating allowed 
Um, they're 17th in the NFL. They're they're just lower to the lower middle range of most categories, and they're a little bit better against the pass than the run. They're the fourth worst red zone percentage allowed. So that's that when you get into the money downs, they're not good down there. Uh, ninth worst third down percentage, eighth worst points per drive allowed. You, I mean, Max Crosby is obviously the stud of that defense. But interestingly enough, of players that have 50 snaps or more, according to PFF, their next four best players are DBs, and they're all just like above average-ish range. And then the rest of the D-line besides, and there, there's one solid linebacker, but then the rest of the D-line is just below average. And one of those guys... Don't talk about Bilal Nichols that way. That That's who it is, man. That's who it is. I, I missed him. <laughs> so one thing that's interesting that I think um, I found... <laughs> that people I think will enjoy is I found the rate at which teams run different coverages. I have Chicago's I'll tell them secondly, but just in terms of, so again, people that aren't as super familiar with coverages, right? So cover zero is no free safety, middle of the field, likely a blitz and man coverage cover one man coverage with the safety middle of the field, likely some blitzing cover two bears run a lot of that, right? Two deep safeties could be a zone could be covered two man. Doesn't matter, but two deep safeties cover three, right corner has one zone free safety in the middle think eddie jackson back there another corner has the other deep zone cover four um actually some people get this misconstrued they think cover four is like a very big prevent defense it's not cover four is they, they split it up in terms of four deep zones but the safeties actually play up closer than they would in cover two Amen. and they and they As oh you they can almost think robber be. there that that's why the cover four beater is is posts um and then uh cover six is when you have uh, quarters to the field generally, or the trip side. And then you would have cover two to the boundary or, you know, maybe single receiver side. So that's, that's in terms of the coverages. So the Raiders starting with cover zero run at 3.4% of the time, Not cover one, 18.4 cover two, 10.7 cover three, 36.4, a lot of cover three cover four, 16.4, and then cover six, 4.3. So uh, of those, and I'm looking at the NFL averages of those, they run cover zero slightly below average, cover one slightly below average, cover two significantly below average. The average for cover two is 36.3. And that makes sense, especially modern right, day. Right. Right. Yeah, modern day. And they run at 10.7. So they're they're very not modern day. Um cover three, they run more than average. Um, cover four a little bit more and cover six less. So just to give you an idea. So then Chicago covers zero 1.5% of the time or covers zero, sorry, 1.5 cover one 13.3, which I think has been up from what I've seen on film wise, Robert, in terms of like blitzing and cover one more cover two 29% of the time cover three 34% of the time. Surprise me. Cover four, eight, they like don't run it. No. Cover six, 8.6. So basically Chicago is running basically one, two, or three. Like the whole game. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, man, they don't vary it up. And like, I think they've done better the past few weeks, but it's been very, I think, predictable the first four weeks. Right. Or three at least. But so the Raiders are a lot of cover three, but they're fairly multiple is what you're saying. Yeah. Very multiple. Which... Honestly, like you get some good DBs, they can run multiple things, and it doesn't surprise me that despite the fact that they're kind of a one-man pass rush, you get yes. 
you get a defense that's trying to do different things. They do it well sometimes, right? But that a bunch of different offenses are finding ways to break them down. I mean, it's so funny because still this early in the season, sometimes the rankings can get skewed by who you've played. The Raiders have played Denver. They've played the Patriots. They've played the Green Bay. Like they've played Green Bay. They've played. Uh, there's one more in there that I'm trying to recall. Oh, Kenny Pickett's Steelers. Like they, they have played some bad offenses and they're still lower middle table. And so yep. <clears throat> this isn't a good defense. It's just not horribly bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see how the bears are going to fare against them, but it's going to be a week of a lot of turmoil. If I had to guess totally just a vibe. I bet you they're going to try to overinstall for Bajit. Don't you? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. That Getsy's going to be like, finally. Like, if I had to guess. So going all the way back before I, I have to explain why that sounded excited. Like, if I'm Luke Getsy, I'm still mad about Justin Fields having called me out earlier in the season. And Chase Claypool. And Chase Claypool. And so this is like Bajit coming in is me going, sweet we can do my thing i'm gonna show everybody it's gonna work and so they're gonna break yep. out a bunch of it's not my stuff. fault you're i mean and he, here's here's the other thing him and Eberflus, they're fighting for their jobs they're fighting so like for people jobs. think they're, they're not tanking they are trying to show no. that they are right and other people <laughs> are wrong so we're gonna get dragon we're gonna get like uh, we're going to get slant curl. We're going to get curl flat. We're going to get double slants. We're going to get all the West coast goody goodies that I I like, but that the bears basically ran in the preseason with Tyson Bajant and worse. We haven't actually seen a lot of bears tape of running any of this. So the, we don't know how defenses are going to line up to stop a lot of the new formations that I have a feeling the Bears are going to try to package in, and it just won't surprise me if the Bears have about, what What do you think, Nick, 15% of the plays? That may be a little too high. It could be closer to like 8% of the plays where something's just going to go wrong. Like somebody's oh, not right. going to know where to go. Cause oh, that, that it's higher than that on a regular percentage when you take out a rookie quarterback. Right. And so within that, like it won't surprise me if we get a couple of sweet mo- – like I really expect that we're going to get some sweet moments with Tyson Bajan. Just like the uh, the smoke cigar, like how cool that was in the preseason. <laughs> the thing is, is that I think Bajan's sick moments are going to result in a first down, and his bad moments are going to be turnover turnover worthy plays. Yep. And it's just well, because be I mean, of- even on that, even on the deep shot to Moore that he hit up the seam, he was laid on, and Moore got drilled. Like he's not it's early right like, now. Yeah, and it's okay that he's not ready. Yeah, he's a rookie. I didn't ask him to be ready. He's a rookie. <laughs> Yep. It just yep. it just so, makes for a funny game. So just real quickly, um, other things people oh, need to know. One so other injury, thing. obviously the quarterback conversation on their side. Jimmy yeah, Garopp- yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo has been nursing a cortisone. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing. How much cortisone can I fit into my spine uh, over the last couple of weeks? Which Bad. is a life that I just don't want to live, and I'm glad that I don't have to. To be honest with you, um, but finally. He, he decided that he had too much. And so the question I want to ask you, Nick, Brian Hoyer has been playing with Josh McDaniels in a West Coast style offense for as long as I've been alive. What is the drop off between a back back injury, Jimmy Garoppolo? And I mean, 
I don't want to assume that you're old enough to where you've had a back problem, but like that is as debilitating as it gets. There's that's not a limp ankle. That's well, not a bad quad. You know what I'm saying? Well, you'd have to air out how much older than I am than you on the pod, Robert. But it's like five yes, years. So, um, <laughs> um, in my mind, I mean, he didn't practice today. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't. I don't think he plays. No I think way. I, I don't think he plays. I and I mean, O'Connell played, and you know, it was admirable. I think you roll with Hoyer. I oh, think sure. that. I think I just that, want to know what they, you think the drop off is between Grop and Hoyer. Oh, there, there's there's a drop off for sure. I I think Jimmy G's a solid quarterback. Sure. So like, by the way, when this is my my terminology, okay? When I say someone's elite, it's literally the top three of the position. I'm not right. one of those people that has ten people that are elite. That's not no, that accurate. Work. You know, in terms of goat, there's one goat. When I talk about goat, okay, that's just my definitions. Then there's then there's very good. Then there's good. Then there's average. And the, and the just below average is solid. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. That's where he lives. But down to Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell, that's that's the below to b- below below average. So I would I would now Jimmy Garoppolo with the back injury though. I think you got to roll with Hoyer. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's the same gamesmanship that we're seeing from the Bears right now, who continue to list Fields as doubtful. Like, I think somebody did a study once and saw that doubtful has like a four percent chance of playing because anybody that's actually potentially going to play gets listed as questionable. And so (coughs) we'll see. But I'm really interested because there is a world where I think the schematic problems that the Raiders are having right now actually make them match up well against the Bears. Again, if the Raiders commit to just throwing the football, if Josh McDaniels gives in to his inner, I never want to run the football and I don't ever want to pretend I'm going to, instincts, they should succeed against the Bears. Whenever they hand the ball off, they are going to be giving the Bears a free down. Like old school college game plan. I mean, mean, they're already bad at it and we're, we're pretty good at stopping the run. Like that part doesn't make sense. Yeah. Them throwing for sure. Defensively though, I think we can run the ball on them. I, I think we can run the ball on them, especially because I like our offensive line. I really do. Like generally speaking with Tevin back uh, and Jatiri's not a bad run blocker. All things told, especially also, also, I mean, injury report for people to know for us. So um, Roshan's still a DMP with the concussion and obviously the other ones that you guys know. So Fields DMP, Nate Davis DMP, Terrell Smith, Mono, he's DMP. Limited, this is kind of interesting, Robert. Not sure if you checked this or not. Feeney is limited practice with the knee. Uh, Homer, they said, will be back with the hamstring this week. That's what Iberflus had said in his press conference. Eddie Jackson, they said it flared up his foot, limited. Not sure if he'll be back. Kramer was full participant with that thumb, which helps Unique, limited with the back. That's new. And then Darnell Wright, limited with the shoulder. I mean, I, this is where I could make a joke about Unique's back being hurt because he's trying to carry the team, but he's not done that. <laughs> is that like, is that the Greg Jennings? Put the that's, team on my that's back. That's that old like meme, but like Broken Unique, leg. Is, Unique has not carried the team on defense. Yeah. In fact, he's been relatively invisible, which is saying something because Dom Rob's on the team. And sorry, Dom Rob, but like, that's, go- that's not going well either. Amersheim Green. But within that, it's so funny because I th- I like a lot of the pieces of the Bears offense. I'm just curious as to how many times. So Tyson Bajan, 
is going to be able to move the ball 20 to 20, I think. Or the better way I like to put it is 20 to 40, right? Like they're going to be able to take the kickoff and probably pick up a couple first downs before things stall. Why will things stall? Because your rookie quarterback is going to cost you a down, and I don't think the Bears are good enough to get it back. Like penalties, false starts, holdings, these things are inevitabilities. You know what I mean, Nick? Like people yeah. chase the dragon of what you, if we could get rid of penalties? You, you know don't. the Yeah. You know the other thing too that I just last week he had a decent game running. I expected more from Deontay Foreman last week. You expected more from Deontay Foreman? Running. Yeah. Like there was a couple times like he just like uh oh, got tripped up or uh this guy brought him down. I'm like, you were this, you know, Mike Allstott type right. bruiser. And I didn't see a lot of runs like that. Did you? I thought he looked violent uh, and certainly in a couple moments where he carried the pile. But yeah, you you mess with his lower body. He's going to go down in a heat. Right. I just I wanted better contact bounces. I guess what I was saying. I get what you're saying. I looked at him as one of those bulls where the tripwire gets him in a cartoon. Right. Yeah, there we uh, go. Yep. Yep. But so within this, it's like I think the Bears offense absolutely has the ability to score a couple points, especially because I think that there are going to be moments where Max Crosby is going to come around, the, like wheel around the offensive line and Bajit's going to get the ball out. I also won't be shocked if we get another strip sack, just being honest with you. Like, Bajant strikes me as the kind of cat who's not going to do the Brady thing where he pulls the ball and just eats a sack. Like, the Zach Wilson no. sit down in the pocket. Tyson's going to try. Yeah. And I think this is a game where once or twice, Max Crosby's going to show him that there are limits to what you can attempt in the NFL. But again, can't emphasize this enough. Not only do I not really care, this is the perfect game for it. Because what I'm about to say is going to depress some people, but it's true. The Bears are probably about to play their last game outside of Carolina where they are, they are, what do you think? Like less than four point underdogs? Like, I mean, remember, they've got the Lions. JJ will get healthier eventually for the Vikings. Like they'll have to go up against the Chargers the Saints defense, the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, like mm-hmm. the Browns with the best defense in the NFL, the Lions again. Like yeah. these games, especially because a lot of them are on the road, man. Like you could be looking at some really lopsided betting lines. And even this one, they're they're three-point dogs. <laughs> just, just not fun, man. Like at all. But uh, okay, so yeah. And again, again, I'm with you. Like, I don't think who who matters up. I mean, I'm. I mean, when you're looking though at that team, like last week they beat the Patriots, who who you could oh, argue man. worst team, twenty one to seventeen. Like, I'm not sure. I mean, we're not going to see good football here. No, you know. Um, score prediction for this game. I'll go first. Go ahead. The game is, I mean, I'm just like looking up, you know, the little small things like Chicago plays at home, West Coast team coming over a couple time zones, you know, that should be worth a couple points. Um, I'm going to have the final score of the game, assuming doubtful Justin Fields doesn't play. <laughs> okay. I'm going to assume that Chicago loses the game uh 21 to 17 
I think 21 to 17 is a great, great selection. I'm going to try to pick something unique because every time I think in like normal football terms and then scoregami happens, right? Like this last weekend, 19 to 13. Are you kidding me? Right. Like I just never pick it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going 16 to 23, like same gist, but, uh, or maybe even worse, like 17 to 23, because the main thing I'm looking at, Nick, is I think by hook or by crook, the like an interception or a fumble is going to give the like Raiders a short field at some point. So it's going to feel like an even game where one big mistake flipped the ball and ended one team up just enough. But then, of course, because life is cruel to Chicago Bears fans, Tyson Bajit and the offense are absolutely going to get the ball in a two minute drill scenario to drive down the field and potentially win it. They just oh, no. won't do it. I, like, I don't I don't think Chicago is going to get blown out, even with Bajan. Like I don't think the Raiders are that good. For but the sake think, for the sake I mean, of the, Yeah, go ahead. I mean the Bears defense has been playing better, but I just I, I can't believe how can you believe in this Bears team? How? For the sake of Matty Berflus's dignity, I hope that Devontae Adams doesn't just undress them. But he could. Like yeah. this could be a I'm that dude game. Honestly. Yeah. Or worse, like the Bears massively overreact to one receiver most of the time. So if you did run a bunch of two route packages with Devontae Adams clearing a bunch of space for Jacoby Myers, you're going to get your way because the Bears can't rush the passer. And honestly, the Raiders offensive line, I don't know if we mentioned this, they're decent pass blockers. Like they're, or PFF's got them top half of the league. Like I'm not Not trying to say that. No, but as pass blockers, they're Mm -hmm. okay. And the Bears' pass rush is built on hopes and dreams. And so <clears throat> I tend to think that the Bears are going to lose the game. I don't think they'll need help. But I also just watched a Vikings team that really tried hard to Vikings itself. I've seen this Raiders team, Raiders itself, a couple yeah. times this season. So I think we get, like, if I was going to really give you my prediction, throw the score out, Right. We're going to get at least one strip sack. Like we're going to get at least one missed field goal. We're going to get at least one penalty that is objectively awful. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, and we're probably going to get at least four pre-snap penalties. Is it, How many bad snaps? Is this going to be like the new prediction of, of the podcast? We don't even predict this. Probably get another four bad snaps. Minimum. We just go with a mess that could happen here. Here's another thing that can't happen this week. Guaranteed. Yeah. The Panthers can't lose this week. They're on a bye. Well, at this rate, they may lose that too. T- like. Tank watch. <laughs> <laughs> tank but- watch. So, so I, I mean, I think this is something that we should add into this, by the way, everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just is what it is. Like, so if we look at those one loss teams, Chicago, right? They're playing them. The Bills play the Patriots. That's not going to go well. Commanders and Giants. The we Giants need, are at home. We need a big time Giants dub. I mean, they could. I mean, the, I mean, Washington's not good, as we know. We beat them. Um, Cardinals play at Seattle. I don't think that's going to go well. The one game we're really rooting for. Let me warm up the hands, everybody. You're going to like this one, okay? The Cheeseheads go into Denver. I was about to say. On the road. But do we want Denver to win? Yes. Yes. But we also theoretically want the Packers to win. Because as much as we could all say that that Packers defense is pretty good, hey, hey, they're a two-win team too. 
Like they're they're, they're not going to get high enough. They're mm, don't say those words. Like d- don't no way. don't be every time Bears fans whisper Packers three times quietly, they get another first round. Do, do I do I click my I, heels together? Is that what this is? It's the Ouija board thing, right? It's the whole like uh like don't say Candyman, right? Like every time Bears fans go Packers suck. Packers suck. Packers suck. And they get another first round pick. And I don't know uh, how. So, so you're rooting for Green Bay? How do you root for Green Bay? I can't root for Green Bay th- at all. In that specific game, either side winning is a win for the Bears. Because the Packers, I think, need two more wins to get out of the race. Hold, like, hold on. Okay, l- l- let's walk through this, okay? Just because we're here. Let's, we're almost at the two-hour mark, but yes. I know, but this is what we do. This is what we do. Okay. At Denver, home against Minnesota with no Justin Jefferson. Oh, we're about to talk about Denver's schedule? No, no, this is Packers' schedule. Okay, gotcha. Home at Denver, or at Denver, home against Minnesota with no Jefferson. Home against the Rams. Those are both, they could be in them. At Pittsburgh, who is not. No, they're bad. Like, these are all winnable games. Right. But the way that the Packers are playing, they're all losable games. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, home against the Chargers, who they charge her anything. They can. charge her all the time. Okay. At Detroit, home against Casey, both losses. Okay. Then at New York Giants. They could easily win that game, but I, I hope home. they're dejected enough. I need the Giants to steal some wins, by the yeah, way. I know. I know. Like, home against the Bucks. I think the Bucks win that one. They're pretty, they're solid. At Carolina. Should win that. At, at Minnesota, home against the Bears. Okay, so it's funny you mentioned, am I cheering for the Packers? I think if I was going to say it out loud exactly how I'm feeling, yeah, I want the Packers to win seven of those. <laughs> right? I just don't I don't see that schedule, Robert, and seeing them being able to end this season with only three wins. No, I don't either. But I hope that they don't end it with only five, just talking out loud. Like... I hope that they get six minimum because the moment that they get six wins, they are going to be drafting 10th or later. So now you have to take a Quinn Ewers type. Like now you don't get to think about one of the top four quarterbacks more than likely. You you get number five. And but, but, but Denver winning, I think, helps us more than, than Packers winning. The good news for the Bears right now is that you could argue if they lose this next game, there is one potential win on their schedule. And I yep. get it any given Sunday, but literally one. And at that point, it'll be a legitimate question that you'll ask yourself on whether we want them to beat Carolina or not. Because the Bears could up bow up and get themselves number one if they do lose to Carolina and end up with one win total. Or they could beat Carolina, and Carolina has a definitely non-zero shot of going straight nilo like throughout the entire schedule, but the bears are sitting pretty pretty. Like as much as we may make fun of Denver, I find it hard to believe that that team, so long as they don't like trade Jerry Judy and a couple others, like can't just trip and fall into a win. You got to remember the league we're talking about here. When you have Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, like when you have, it's not like they're what the, the Giants are loaded with weapons on offense, right? right but you their, get, their whole line is such a mess right now. That's one of their issues. They have Deontay Banks, the corner. They've got, or they invested in some linebackers. They tripped and they fell into 
a play at the goal line to beat Buffalo in Buffalo right. out of nowhere. This right. stuff happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and, another bit of news. I don't know if you know Jeremy Chin's out six weeks with the quad. Yeah, I mean, especially if the Panthers sell at the deadline, they are playing yeah. into the Bears' hands. Playing yep. into the Bears' hands. And so I mean they 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 have I mean they have this is interesting. I know we we're going late on this pod, but they have Houston, Colts both at home. And now we know the Colts don't have Richardson the rest of the year. They play, I mean, at Chicago, then they play at Tennessee. That's probably in terms of even winnable games for them. And that's all like close here in the next like five weeks. Right. Like we'll it's going to be really interesting to watch this play out because to any Bears fan that made it to this part of the podcast, you probably agree with me anyways. Like maybe you don't hit me up in the DMS if you don't, but uh, because if you listen to an hour and 56 minutes of this and you don't agree with me, like I'm amazed that you made it this far, <laughs> but chances are you do. And that means that you also agree that the Bears' best shot at turning this thing over is at least one obscenely high draft pick. And the only reason, Nick, that you and I can be like relatively upbeat about it is because it's not just the Bears competing here. The Bears also have this completely separate pick in Carolina on a team that is just listing and sinking faster than we are. Yes, like, yeah. and uh, that wasn't true four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, the Bears were worse than Carolina. The Bears yep. then beat Washington, and not only did we pick up a win, but we kind of picked up a floor while Carolina continues to just bottom out. I mean, yeah, they're, they're looking worse and worse. But- Miami, little brother, them for crying out loud, Nick. Oh, yeah. Miami went, here, 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 here. I'll spot you two touchdowns, and then I'll beat you 42 to 21. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean- <laughs> All right. We, we got to call it. We do. Two hours for these people. If you're here, you're listening two hours later. We love you. We Thank appreciate you for supporting you. us. And Robert always says this, so I'm, I'm going to help out a little bit, okay? The, again, we do this because we love Chicago Bear football. You love Chicago Bear football. We are always going to support the Bears. I assume you're going to support the Bears. We're in this together, so I don't want you to think this is – we're always trying to think of the Bears' best interest at heart. But please comment, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. It helps us grow. It's, I mean, we don't make any money off of this, but it lets us know that, hey, you're there. You want you want to interact with us. You want to chit-chat. Um, Robert, where can people find you? So you can find me on De Bears blog every single day writing something. You can also check me out on this YouTube channel, obviously, Robert Schmitz. And then my Twitter handle, Robert K. Schmitz. We're posting analysis. We're posting conversation and whatever else we can. But Nick, where can people find you? So at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. And then I have to put this plug in here. A couple weeks ago, I said, hey, I did pretty good in DFS, right? So daily fantasy, if you're not aware, FanDuel, DraftKings, that thing. Okay, I mean, I did, I did really well a couple weeks ago. This yeah, last yeah. Sunday, this last Sunday, also did pretty well. Not as well as I did a couple weeks ago, but significantly better than just like you won a couple dollars. Okay. So I say that because I write a DFS article every week on football guys. And when you win solid money two out of three weeks, Robert, I call that a heater. I'm I'm on a little bit of a heater right now. So Ooh, we're hot. You know, like, hey, let's go. You know, like this is the member NBA jams. Like he's, you know, he's heating up. Okay. Come over there, check out the DFS picks. Okay. I hope that I can help you win 
do well in a lineup, brag to your buddies, all that kind of stuff. Right. And I'm checking it out. It's sweet. I'm just a wuss when it comes to betting because the moment I go down, I go, ah, why am I doing this? And then just (laughs) stop doing it. But uh, anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned to this podcast channel. We'll be with you right after the Raiders game as always. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. 